Welcome aboard this week's podcast of Dudes Dish Disney. Get ready for amazing attractions across America. Beer halls and bar rooms, banquets and beverages, a collection of characters and colleagues. No cupcakes. It's Dudes Dishing Disney. This episode of Dudes Dish Disney is sponsored by Magic Vacations. Magic Vacations. Discover the magic of travel. And now your hosts, the dudes of Dudes Dish Disney. Hello everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Dudes Dish Disney. Joining us today is our producer and resident tech dude, Jonathan. What's going on, guys? Also joining us today is our co-host, Ryan. He is the number one Disney dude. What's happening, dudes? And I'm Congo Carl, former Jungle Cruise skipper. You know the rest. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, Walt Disney World took on one of the most ambitious projects ever. The Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. The end. There was no, there were no rebels. There was no nothing. Just the end. It's like, hey, bye-bye. That's where we are, dudes, huh? The news is out, and that's kind of where we are. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, the real short uh, short lifespan of the uh, Star Cruiser. It, uh, it had so much hype and so much potential, and yeah, now it's closing. We can dig into it. I think it lived up to its potential. I think there's a lot of other reasons why... Uh, why it didn't succeed which we'll dig into as we go along here i'm sure but yeah potential, i don't think was the problem no no so let's start in the beginning right march 1st 2022 uh was the first public voyage um and uh from all the reports everyone got in was you know it was a wonderful immersive entertainment experience uh it it, it painted a wonderful picture uh disney brought in all its social media bloggers and bloggers and everyone and accolades and it was meeting the hype to the most point there was a few critical eyes on it but for the most part our first glimpses of it uh, the first few weeks was it was fantastic um but along with the out of this world experience the guests of the star cruiser paid an out of this world price for their experience <laughs> And uh, and that's even by Disney standards. We we talk about how expensive trips can be, but you know, a two night vo voyage for a family of four costs upwards of around six grand. And uh, but despite that price, you know, a lot of the first months were sold out. You know, by late 2022, a lot of it was sold out. So you know, I think the the demand was there, the popularity was there. Uh, again, a few critical eyes on some of the experiences within there. Uh, but recently they announced it's now going to close with its last voyage, September 28th of this year. So we can start to think about the positive experiences and the feedback. I know we sent clients there or we're sending clients there. Um, and what we think uh, was some of the issues. You because because and the reason we wanted to do this show and talk about it and and even kind of wax poetic or pontificate on what's happening is because there's no real answer out there 
Disney hasn't given a sort of a straight answer. And so there are a lot of thoughts and ideas of what's going on. Um, I know what it is. I, I do. I think we know what it is. You're right. Disney hasn't come out and said it, but I think we know what it is. And I think you already alluded to it. Uh, the the very easy point to point at is the price, is the price point. And, and that's really what it is. Now, again, we can talk about that more, why that was a necessary evil, perhaps, or, you know, maybe that's what was needed to be in, in order to be successful. There's a lot of business decisions that went into that price beyond just Disney trying to grab profit, right? Um, so, you know, it's like anything else in business, right? You, you have you have to set a line where you need to make your margins, and if you don't make your margins, then you got to cut bait. You know, and that that's I think ultimately is the death of the Star Cruiser. They just weren't cutting. They just weren't meeting their margins, and if they yeah. had a discount to do it, that it wasn't worth it to them to keep going. So you start at the beginning. Um, I never really heard a straight number, but I think we could say it's to build this. It was over a billion dollars. And it was somewhere between one and $2 billion, right? So that's a price tag, not unusual in today's economy and marketplace and the cost, but you have to remember this, it is a hundred room hotel. So it's not the 1500 rooms that you get at a value resort. It's not the 900 rooms that you get at a, at a deluxe resort, right? So it's very small. So what does that put you in, right? From a from a property standpoint in the hospitality industry, that's a boutique hotel, mm -hmm. right? Mm. And so boutique hotels, whether you're in New York City or Los Angeles or Disney World, in order for them to work, one, they have to be at full capacity. You've got to maximize it. And the hotel industry generally says, if I'm 80% uh, at capacity or higher, then I'm okay. I'm, I'm towards breaking even, making money. This place filled up immediately, right? So it it met that initial goal, right? Yeah, this, I mean, this one, how quickly those initial bookings happened was some of the craziest experiences I've ever done trying to book for clients. I mean, the wait times, I think there were times I waited six, seven plus hours to get in to book a client, uh, and this was in the pre, this was in the um, the pre uh, booking uh, time too. That was like the exclusive, like Disney card or annual pass. One of those times, and it was, it was, it was astonishing when I called. I called first thing in the morning, and the line was already almost at max capacity in the queue. I was like, this is insane. This is going to be a challenge to get that. And just talking with my client while the whole process, while on hold, I'm like, listen. Let's get a backup to a backup to a backup because you never know what's going to happen here. Just kind of seeing that whole process happen during that time and starting to be like, oh my, okay, this is going to be, this is going to be one of those moments where you're going to be very lucky to get those initial bookings. Um, it was, it was shocking. I mean, I'm not surprised, but it was just shocking. It kind of caught me off guard a little bit. No, I wasn't caught, caught, caught off guard at all. That's your Star Wars rabid fan base, right? Like it. Yeah. That's what Disney was banking on from day one is that rabid fan base. They 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 know that that's out there. Look at day one and look at the final day, right? The the first day of sales and the final day of sales, it was the same thing. Seven, eight hour queues, you know, getting through, getting knocked off and having to jump back on again. Queues getting closed. And I mean, what did they have? They had like 20 extra open dates at the end 
uh, that filled up in the matter of half a day, right? After not being able to fill it. Um, but I think that rabbit fan base actually plays a much bigger role into this whole process than I think people understand and give it credit for. Um, you know, just in terms of talking about this, I really don't think price was a concern to that rabid fan base. Right. right. They creatively figured out a way to said, look, they said to this and look at this is a unique experience I've waited for all my whole life. Yep. Okay. I can be immersed in the Star Wars galaxies and and those stories and those multiple stories. I mean, going back to the, you know, the history of the Galactic Star Cruiser, do you know who took their honeymoon on it? Yeah. Han Solo and Princess yep. Leia. Yeah. Right. They took their honeymoon on that as one would take a cruise for a honeymoon. Right. So it, it's, you know, been around for it, it sits right in the appropriate place of the timelines of all the Star Wars um, stories. So it could pull that together. And you're right. It was a rat, not only a rabbit, it was base. It was just a, so dedicated to it that it was going to fill up. And it's because of that unique experience. It sold out. If this was a moderate resort that's themed and looked like star wars and had 700 rooms and had a cool restaurant and a cool bar right it would have been competing with other people at that price point and it would be probably challenged to fill up because it would have disappointed a lot of the star wars base and what potentially it could have been right and for the casual star wars fan it probably would have been one and done. And I would have gone to my next Disney trip at another moderate resort, right? But because of its uniqueness and because of what it is and what it was in the limited capacity, it filled up and you said it very well. The first and last day of sales, same results. Yeah, so so here's what's interesting, right? And I'm not sure that I totally agree with you in terms of, uh, I know that's a shock to everybody. I don't agree with you, <laughs> but... but but truthfully, from a business perspective and just knowing the Star Wars fan base, right, I actually think it's the opposite. I think if they had done a moderate hotel with 700 rooms that was 700 bucks a night or whatever, you know, or 600 bucks a night or even a deluxe hotel, right? There's just seven, six, 800 bucks a night, whatever. I actually think they would have sold it out. And I think they would have continued to sell it out. I think the casual fan base is actually what killed the Star Cruiser. And, and again, I don't think it's because of price. I think it's because casual fans were going on the Star Cruiser and when the the crazed fans were going and they were in their cosplay and they were like ready to go do this, right? And then they were on the ship and they're like surrounded and immersed in this amazing environment and then here comes little Joey in his in his shorts and his Mickey Mouse t-shirt. I think it, it ruined the experience for them because that's mm -hmm. not what they wanted. They wanted that full immersion that they were promised and you can't have that full immersion if you're letting, you know, whoever just show up on the ship without a dress attire that's according to the star wars galaxy right i'm sorry but you don't watch every star wars movie you don't see anybody walking around with a mickey mouse t-shirt in, in in there right and i think i think that's actually what happened is now you're paying six thousand dollars for your family of four for two nights and throughout that time you're just dealing with your typical disney fans walking around who happen to also like star wars and i think it I think that's why you saw it to start to drop, right? I think that's why you saw it to start to drop because the writing was on the wall. We started getting these emails, at least us travel planners, we started getting these emails like, oh, your client might be moved, right? Because, and that to me was like, we can't fill up the room. So we got to move people, right? So we started seeing the writing on the wall that this could be coming. 
Um, and I really think that that's the reason why. I think they realize that there's no way to enforce that or truly make it immersive unless you force a dress code. It's and interesting, it's right? Because you're, you you point out a good thing that the Star Wars fan base is so dedicated to that. Yeah. They were ready to go do that, right? If you go to a cruise and one night is a dress up night and one night is a theme night, like a pirate's night, and not everybody comes dressed up. They come kind of semi-casual <laughs> to dress up or they come to the pirates and they kind of forgot and just brought a bandana on their head. You're probably not going to go to the next say I'm not going to cruise again ever because right. so much that you go to the cruise for so many reasons that that one little nuance of someone not being in character for the theme night, you're just going to look the other way and say that yeah, that person's a fuddy dud. But if you're a star Wars fan, you're like, come on, this is it. You know, how does fuddy dud translate into 2023? I mean, I know what it means in 1963. I'm just curious what it means in 2023. <laughs> A pain in the ass. Oh, thank you. Okay. There we go. There it is. <laughs> I mean, but like, here's the balance, right? Now let's bring this together because, okay, we agree that the, the cosplay element, the full immersion, like that's what the Star, Star Wars fan base wanted. They weren't getting it. We also agree from the other aspect, from the casual fan or the people that might, might want to experience, the price was the problem and they weren't going to get it lower price. Now let's combine those two together and realize that it was affecting both sides. Now you're talking about the people that want the immersive experience, they're willing to pay for it and they're not getting it. And then you have the other group of people that don't really care as much about the immersive experience. They just think it's cool, but they're not going to pay that much money to get it. Now, all of a sudden you have a problem, right? Now, all of a sudden you have a problem because now nobody's happy with the price, even though some are willing to pay it because they're not getting that full, that full thing. But here's Disney, right? We just sunk a billion or $2 billion into this project. We've got these amazingly immersive rooms and that we've got all this technology in these rooms. We've got characters and actors and cast members playing a part 24 seven every single day that we gotta pay for. We got makeup and, and all sorts of stuff like that that we gotta do every single day that we gotta pay for. There's no way for Disney to bring the price down because they can't afford it. They're gonna, they're gonna be breaking even and they know if it's in the first two years and they're already not meeting those targets, year five, they're definitely not going to meet those targets. That's right, because it's immersed in the product. And that's the point of it, is the cost of operation in a hundred room hotel to bring all of that to life. Look at once you build uh, the training site for your uh, lightsaber, it's built and it works, but you need the people to interact with it, right? Mm -hmm. Once you... Um, you know, build your deck and you're greeting Grand Hall. It's there, but you need the actors to come up. You need the store and troopers and all of that stuff. So you're paying for that, right? And so that's the difference is if you're at the Magic Kingdom and you need to cut operating costs, well, you can cut out a show or you can cut out, you know, a meet and greet and there's still enough to do that people aren't there. If you started to take hunks of this out, this experience out, that was already getting some criticism that there wasn't quite enough. It was good, but not good enough. If you started to take that out, if you started to remove the droids, if you started to, to, to do that, right? There wasn't enough on that app that you played to do that and, and, and kind of like, okay, I'm immersed, but I'm immersed by myself. You right. know, there's nothing going on around me. And this is what I paid for, for me and my, my smartphone, right? So you yeah. couldn't cut back. That was the dilemma. They could not cut back successfully to do it. So they, 
they had to do that now so you think about it and you're right you saw the signs right um it, it came out in march and then by november 2022 you know was the first hint that we got was going on that something wasn't going right we all i think us in the industry ryan you're right we suspected it first before the general public but the general public caught on around november 20 uh of um last year when they said okay we're going to do a 30 percent discount on select voyages to the dvc members yeah. right and then uh, in January of this year, they said, okay, we're going to do a public discount on pre or post Star Cruise or Disney hotel stays. So we'll give you a discount on, you know, expanding beyond a three-day vacation because most people go to Disney beyond three days. Um, and they didn't want people just going to the Star Cruiser and leaving. They thought they would go there and then spend a few nights somewhere else. So they started discounting that. So that that's when really got the signals. Um uh, that something was up and then this past march think about it you know a year uh they're going to cut back from three voyages a week to two yeah mm -hmm. i think they made a fatal flaw in the very beginning and now this just could be me being uh, a travel planner and uh the way you know i want to be taken care of but when they launched the first thing they did was bring all the social media influencers on and i get it i totally understand why that's a thing but they should have done a few rounds of travel planners too. They should have taken their diamond and platinum and gold ear marked agencies and they should have filled rooms for a month or two, right? With those people because the social media influencers, they're just grabbing a free room. They're going to post some stuff and then they're going to move on to the next person who pays them to do something, right? But you look at, you look at the travel planners like this is income for me if I can sell this. So if I experience it, I'm going to keep selling it, especially at a $6,000 price point for two nights, right? Yeah. And especially mm -hmm. if I can tack on extra. And Disney really never did anything for the travel planners. You know, there were yeah. some, I think, that got it, but there wasn't, you know, you when I am oftentimes defending Disney against the, the, the company across town, right? But in this one, the company across town does it better. Because when the new stuff comes out, the first thing they do is they turn to their travel planners, their travel agents, and, and they say, hey, come check this stuff out. Right. You know. So I think that's maybe a lesson that Disney can learn from this is like, yeah, the social, don't get me wrong, social influencers, they have a place, right? I don't like them, but they have a place, right? But so do, the, so do your sales reps. And, and my, my father was a sales manager. His father was a sales manager. I'm a sales manager. And we all have the exact same philosophy which is you take care of your salespeople and they'll take care of you right. that's it right so it's Disney true because uh i like how you position the social media in it um they are on to the next thing right and so what the rest of the world understands now about social media players especially people uh in this space is that they give positive reviews because they know they're going to be invited back to the next thing, right? right? They didn't trust them. People didn't trust them. No, they didn't trust them because they knew it was, what are you going to do? If, if you're a food critic and you walk into a restaurant in New York City and they know you're a food critic or a food blogger, they're going to bend over backwards and make a great experience for you, right? Food critics and food bloggers go in totally anonymous. And when they do, they can therefore write freely, and they pay for their own food, write freely about the opinion of the service and the food and the quality and everything, right? So that's the difference here. 
is everyone knows that's a paid entity in one sense or another. If that pay is in the form of a comp, everything. By the way, travel agents, we don't get comped on anything. We still have to pay a discounted rate. Yeah. So we're more inclined to decide that. We have a lot of products here. I, in our portfolio, I don't sell every one of our products because I'm not a personal fan for it. Doesn't mean my clients wouldn't be, right? Yep. So I have to keep an open mind about that. Yep. But that's just not the way it works in, from the business perspective. And I, I, I agree with you. I think they missed the boat on an opportunity there. I think I think what's really interesting about that too is that was actually a hot topic on Twitter when it happened. They're like, "Well, sure, the X person is going to do this or say this because they always are positive about it, right?" Uh, I don't even want to say this, but I'm going to say it. There's one specific entity out there that I I will never name, and I do not name, and I cannot stand that many of us do not like and do not stand, cannot stand who falsify a lot of reports and whatever, but they have a huge following. It's a blog site, and that's all I'm going to tell you all. If you don't know what I'm talking about, listen back in the show, okay? But uh, I won't name them to give them the pub publicity, but I will give them one piece of credit, which is they're not afraid to badmouth Disney. They're not afraid to do it. That's the one credit I will give them, and they were not invited, you know? And that was a – people recognized that. People recognized that right away. Now, I laughed at the fact that they weren't invited. I thoroughly enjoyed it, but from a business perspective – I think they should have been, you know, give, let people give you a real honest rating. First thing they tell you in social media and sales is that like, Hey, if you get a bad review, don't delete it. Don't delete it. You, you find a way to talk to that person, show who you are, uh, customer service wise and take care of the problem, but don't delete it. And that's essentially what Disney did was delete all the negative reviews by not allowing those people to come on there. Well, look at the other part of that whole thing is, you know, people tend to gravitate to social media or uh, or Yelp or something like that and give bad reviews or give, you know, poor reviews. And whereas if they took the time to address it with the product they were buying, they probably would have gotten addressed and rectified and taken care of, and they wouldn't have written the bad review. But they hide behind this kind of cowardice curtain to do that. You know, Yelp is the one the thing. Yelp is the worst thing. You can give something a one-star review on Yelp, and you never even use the product. You're someone's next door neighbor who's pissed off of the way they've cut their lawn. And so you're giving their business a bad review as a retaliation or revenge, right? So, I mean, so that's the whole problem with with this. You cannot rely on these things as well. And, and we talk about this in the, in the Facebook uh, social groups too, right? These so-called experts who voice their opinion on everything to do in, at Disney. And they're 99% of the time wrong, or it's just an opinion. It's not a fact, right? Right. Um, and most of their opinions are wrong too, because we're smarter. Anyways, uh, clearly, <laughs> I just had to settle so look at one in there, huh? Yeah. <laughs> um, just kidding. Look at. Um, He's not joking. Everyone gave high praises to this in the beginning. Uh, it actually won a themed entertainment industry awards for its innovation, um, and, and so that's important. Now you look at that $6,000 cost for a family on that cruiser, right? For a couple of nights, that's more than a Disney cruise. That's more than a family going to Europe, right? On a trip. So you have to look at that comparatively to say, what am I spending this high price tag for this cool 48 hour experience? And I'm going to um, kind of say, you know, how many people is this sustainable continue to 
to afford. And if you don't change that experience, if I'm a dedicated Star Wars and I went on the inaugural cruise and I decided to come back a year later and it's the same experience, maybe I can weave my way in the app and I can be on the other side. I can be, you know, on the dark side versus, you know, versus a rebel. And so I could maybe play different roles. That might be interesting. But again, that's a big price tag to kind of have a slight variation in your experience. So there was no plans or announcements that they were going to constantly be adding to it, growing to it. Um, the entertainment night show, you know, it's one singer and one person playing an instrument. <laughs> so it wasn't like, you know, a big production. Uh, when you go on a cruise ship and you see a full stage production, multiple people, right? Very expensive. Um so from a cost-wise, some of that embedded expense is probably not as high as comparative experiences. So, so here it is. They've announced it's closing. Uh, it's now full again from now to what's closed. You can't, if you don't have uh, access to it, you're not going to experience it. Sorry, Star Wars fans. You snooze, you lose, right? Um, so, so here we are. And Disney makes the announcement. Um, I just want to point out something again, from a historical perspective, this is not the first time, um, that Disney has decided to abandon a pricey failure. Okay. It, so there is, you know, precedence for that. Um, you know, the one that comes to mind in my line, which was expensive to operate was discovery Island, right? It was a zoological experience. Now, you know, luckily they found a home for all those animals because they were building an animal kingdom and they named one of the lands Discovery Island. Um, but they decided to, to do there. Now it's, but the physical property is sit there for decades and is decayed. They haven't done anything with it, right? They haven't revamped it into something else. They haven't tried to convert it to something else. Um, there, there was thoughts of what they could do. Uh, with that physical island, you know, could they put honeymoon suites on it? Could they do this? Could they do that? And I think that's where we are now with the Star Cruiser. It's closed and we could speculate on what they could do, what they might do, what we personally would like to see them do. Um, because and, and really ask ourselves the tough question, is it going to happen? When you look at Discovery Island and see it sat there for decades, empty, we have to ask ourselves, even though there's a billion dollars into this physical property, um, what's the saving point? What's, you know, how do I recuperate? How do I rejuvenate? What do I do with this? So one, one, one of my thoughts initially, and I, and the three of us, we've talked about this a little bit um, already beforehand uh, when, when all this announcement was happening, but one of my thoughts originally was to turn it into um, a more affordable price point hotel. Originally, my thought was that um, that moderate level, uh, just based on what it was. But the more I thought about it with with the fact that it is a boutique hotel and everything, turning it into a deluxe, but not with the features like you have the theming, you allow guests um, of the resorts to to kind of walk through there at their own leisure and everything it makes sense to do that because again, yeah, you're not going to be able to charge that $6,000 price, but you're going to be able to charge that seven, $800 a night price for those guests that really want to stay there. 
and experience that, yeah, you're not going to get all that immersion with the characters and all that. You're still going to probably have meet and greets. You're still going to have probably people roaming, but it's not going to be planned stuff. Um, I don't see Disney, especially with the Star Wars property, to let it go vacant and let it go abandoned. Um, it's just, it's it's not something Disney is probably going to do just based on the fact that it is Star Wars. Um, it makes perfect sense to turn that into that. Yeah, we're probably not going to see it for a, a year, two years, something like that. Um, but it's not going to stay vacant and it's not going to stay dormant. It's not. You're going to see it turn into something that's going to generate some type of business for Disney. I think I think uh, I think I'm halfway there. I think I partially agree with you on that. Number one, a hundred rooms. I don't care what resort you are, is too small for anything at Disney. It's just too small. So um, the first thing that they're going to have to do is they're going to have to build up on that, right? There, there's not a lot of sp space to build out, but there's space to build up. And by build up, you can put a, you know, there are five, six, seven stories on it, whatever it takes, make it 250, 300 rooms, right? Maybe you can do that way. Throw a pool on the roof. Uh, look, and I'll just stay there. Yes, that's part of the log logical problem. We don't know if it's engineered to support to build up, right? And what that would take. You may have to build around it and up, right? Because the foundation may not support another seven stories. So consider that, right? Go ahead. Yeah. Ryan. Yeah. So let's let's assume let's assume that it is able to do that, right? Like yeah. this would be my thought for it at least. Is let's say it's a good point structurally. If if they're able to do it, you add another 150, 250 rooms if you can, right? You keep the rooms that you've got as like the premier rooms. They're like the princess rooms or like the, the theme park view rooms, right? Like they're the top rooms that they have. You can still live in those if you want to sleep in a bunk on a Star Cruiser, <laughs> right? And then the other rooms just become standard Star Wars themed rooms, really simple rooms at a hotel with regular windows, right? Um, you turn the bar area and the restaurant area into a character dining which Disney desperately needs for Star Wars as a character dining. The beauty of that is if the hotel is slow, you're still pulling people in off the streets to come to the hotel to eat there, right? That's a major way that you can succeed and continue to drive money into that hotel, even if people aren't staying there. So I think that's something that you could very easily do, assuming the structure and engineering is in place to allow it to happen and then turn it into a deluxe hotel. Um, um, I don't think you can make it anything less than deluxe though. It's going to have to be deluxe. And then the only other problem is you got to find a way to transport people, right? Connected to the Skyliner or, uh, you know, whatever you could just do buses from there, I guess, but. I think you can continue deluxe, the, I think you can continue the themed trip into Batu as one form of transportation, right? Yeah. Then, yeah, just like California Adventure, you can walk into out of the Grand Californian, right? You can yep. do that. You're right. Yeah, absolutely. You keep that experience going and that whole concept of the shuttle and everything. And then you could augment it with, with buses. Um, you know, there's, you look at some of the bigger properties. Um, there are some big properties that only have two modes of transportation, not three or four, right? On the, but you, so that's a consideration. I think that, um, I see where you're going with that. Um, it has potential uh, to do that. It's interesting to keep it in that price tag of a moderate. I think the other part of it that could generate some income is if you had uh, some sort of immersive experience that included the lightsaber school, 
with maybe a, a drink at the bar, right? So you sold sort of an adult experience package where you, you know, you would go in and get your lessons. Maybe they would make videos of those lessons that you could also buy. And then you could go into the bar and your and your lightsaber instructor could critique your your techniques over a, over a fuzzy tauntaun. Carl, only you would come up with beer in hand lightsaber training. <laughs> that's, that's, that, is, that is definitely a Carl Moore special. That's, I mean, you could drive Carl's money in there very easily with that. We know that for a fact. Yeah, <laughs> probably mine too. I'm just, no, I'm just then, what I'm saying. Look at if you look at the. Um, we know a lot of Star Wars fans, right? And Oga's yeah. definitely on there. Uh, on their schedules so and sometimes multiple times so why wouldn't you you know take that investment you've made and and pivot it um i don't think you have to have the strong i think a character breakfast is a great idea you're you're right they are in need but i think the rest of it the hotel from the hotel check-in to um the regular staff you know uh, waiter waitress staff bellhops they don't have to be themed they don't have to be in makeup they could just be in a a Star Wars outfit, right? Like that would fit the theme. So that could cut down on some of that cost that they would have. Um, and, they already and so, have those costumes. They already have those, that dress, right? They just yeah. need to make a few more of them. Right. So I think you're right. They're, they're to be a deluxe. If you look at the components that go into the deluxe, right? Some of the things that we know is you need to have a certain size square feet on the rooms and they need to be spacious. There needs to be some sort of view right? There needs to be a very high quality pool, right? There needs to be more than one restaurant. So they would need to expand upon the one restaurant and one bar they have now. Uh, so I would envision if that structure is not sound, that they kind of kind of build out and around it and up, you know, yeah. because, and that's how you would get your additional floors. But then you'd have to grow, go out somewhere to build that pool complex and then build another restaurant another bar, et cetera, around the pool to get that um, to get that equation with um, a high end. Now, what I would add to it, again, the equivalent of a bibbidi-bobbidi boutique for kids to go in and get the makeup and get the done and get the Star Wars plusing and, and role-playing and make that a thing. So again, to your point, maybe people off the street would come and do that before their day at Galaxy's Edge, right? So there would be another traffic. So why wouldn't I go to the hotel and have a character breakfast and then get um, in appropriate theme dress and then go to Galaxy's Edge? We all know for years, people used to dress up as pirates and go into Adventureland, right? The whole family, that because that was their favorite attraction. So there's ways to kind of build additional revenues off of that to, to kind of, make it at parity with a uh i don't think just adding another 200 rooms and a pool is going to get you there you need to add the rest something else there um and, and some cool theming i think you need to add some something else there you know well i think we could do a whole episode on what if disney made a star wars themed resort i think that could be a lot of fun design the pool design the yeah. rooms talk about the hotel as a whole what what else could they do there? I mean, what if they got away from the hotel entirely? Could they build an experience there? Just a one-day ticketed experience like ESPN Zone used to be or like Disney Quest used to be or anything like that? Is I wonder if that's a possibility of something that they could do there. I think it is a possibility they could do there. My only concern with that is, look, 
look at what what's happened with those other experiences though they're they're not they're not so much timeless in comparison to a lot of disney disney what's present now and what's been there again let's look at the nba experience how long did that last that only lasted about a year now again covid COVID did have a factor into that a little bit they got the real nba experience for a while after covid that's that's very (laughs) uh i guess there was just the lead up for that one but look at look at disney quest i mean yeah disney quest lasted a long long time but the issue with disney quest is disney quest became very dated and you knew it was very dated after a certain point I guess that's that's Disney though, right? And like we this is why it's always fun to have the conversations because things are constantly changing, being removed, being replaced, right? You know, well, what how many times have we just on this show talked about one of the dozens of things that has been changed or replaced or or whatever. But so that's Disney. You if I'm Disney, I'm looking for something I can get 15 years out of, 20 years out of at this point and then cut bait, right? And then change it or get rid of it or you know, break even in order to invest again. You know, that's that's kind of what I'm looking at. I, I think the part of this, whether it becomes a hotel or experience or maybe something else it could become, I think we have to understand that Disney's willing to wait till it comes up with the right combination. Yeah. If you look mm-hmm. at, and look at, I, you know, no one's mentioned it, but the economy has had something to do with this too. And that high price tag, if you're making that decision for a week, of your family of four on a cruise versus two nights and you look at what that cost in today's economic situation people are making that choice right it's what am i where am i going to get the biggest bang for my buck john right so that's part of it and and the economy has impacted this whether we want to think about it as much it's not so much as disney doing the layoffs and all of those things and there's articles that have been written about that it's really yeah yeah, it's fair. Yeah. Yeah. So if you look at look at the 1990s, Disney builds Pop Century, doesn't finish the other half of it. 9-11 happens, travel drops off. So they leave that thing partially built. Pop Century, you know, was supposed to be the earlier decades. And they didn't do it. And they waited and waited and waited. And finally, in in 2010, they said, okay. Uh, we're going to do something. That was a good, you know, that was a good eight, 10 years before they decided to do anything with that. And they they made it art and animation, right? They decided, let's go in this direction. Um, so they could take their own sweet time till they figure out what they're going to do. As new as this is and as expensive as it is, you know, they were saying between a billion and a, a two billion, some of the Imagineers that, that have been out there have publicly said it's probably closer to half a billion, you know, 500 million. So we really don't know how much that is i think it's more the operating costs that they're saving right now uh and and their inability to sell that product um and they haven't turned to you and i ryan and john to help fix the problem so uh, i keep waiting for the phone call <laughs> uh, i mean but like but like yeah i agree with you not only that but let's be honest disney has a lot of things on the schedule already for the next decade right? That's the beauty of Disney in their own mind. Including right? hotels, right? Including yeah. hotels. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and that, you know, Disney Parks is a unit. It's not just Orlando. You know, they're doing right. stuff in California. They're doing stuff other places. So, you know, they don't need to jump in right now because they have other ways of recuperating that income from or revenue from other places in the same unit, in the same business unit. So you're right. They can afford to do it what happens when you run a theme park that costs 13.5 million dollars a day to run right like you have the money to 
sit on half a million dollars if you need to. And what I think it's what's been most interesting about this experience as we are, um, as sometimes we're, I think we're a bit too hard on Disney, uh, is that because of the situation and the financial impact of it, relaying the high price tag, um, Disney's kind of come to a realization that the public didn't really accept this the way they thought they would accept it, you know? It's not like they just filled it up because they said it was closing and say, wow, well, they're not going to say, well, let's give it a second chance. Let's let's go another month. Right. There's still something else in the mechanics of it that is not turning the profit. Maybe maybe they're not making as much as they thought. Maybe their price points as high as they are still aren't high enough to cover the expense. Right. Maybe they thought people were going to buy more extras because not everything was free on the ship either. Right. And maybe that didn't happen. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there, there could be some other parts of the uh, mechanism that people may, like you said, maybe they thought they're going to stay another uh, seven days somewhere and then two, two nights here. Maybe this was going to be a tag on, you know. I, uh, I have a hard time believing this myself, but is it, you know, that could just be me being a fan and being blinded by it too. But is it possible the Star Wars fan base just is not what it used to be? Is it possible? I mean, I don't I I don't I don't so much think that I mean it's there's definitely a new generation of that fan base it's not it's not the old school fan base that we hear about from back in the day like the yeah the, there's the episode one that. people and then there's the people that are everything is canon right what is canon? right yeah, yeah. sorry it's I like, didn't mean to cut you off John but no I, no you're sure. you're fine but I, I I would definitely say that's the thing and again it comes down to two those two different generations six thousand dollars to one is quite a lot of money compared to the other generation where they might be more willing to do it but the problem is that older generation in a sense may look at that six grand and realize yeah i want to do this but i can go do so much more with that six grand still doing disney and still doing all that other stuff but i can get more time for that price that's where i think that's where i think we get that disconnect so just like being a millennial right i'm like right in between those two fan bases right like you know i grew up on the original star wars but when i was 16 or 17 is when episode one came out so and i was working in the movie theaters when it happened so i'm literally right between those two fan bases and i think what you said john is totally true because if we look at that as just generationally and remove the star wars from it i think that's pretty normal just for day of life stuff i think you kind of hit the nail on the head there because like you know the the older generation if you will like they grew up being able to saving money and putting money away to do these things and they're okay to do it right the younger generation it's not that they haven't saved they haven't had a chance to save they're also growing up in a generation where you have to have two people working in a family in order to raise your family right so money is a different sense to that generation Right. It's not that one's better than the other. It's just that there's a different outlook at it. So I think I think you're right. And and that's a hard thing for Disney to balance between the two when it's trying to attract both of them. So the content is this too. You know, I wonder for someone like me who is the OG, right? Episode generation. OG. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting uh, for that. Thank you. All the way, you know, 
I went all the way to the final trilogy and saw it in the theaters, right? And that's what I grew up with. I I haven't been a dedicated fan of The Mandalorian and the other series that are on TV and on Disney Plus, et cetera. I haven't I've been casual in that because it's it's kind of like old school, new school, right? Old Star Trek, new Star Trek. Of which one are you a fan of, right? Yeah. So if you look at the experience on the Star Cruiser, it's catered towards the new genre, not the original. So now you get a complexity is the people who are a little bit more older and used to spend that way and have the money are going to experience something that they're not totally fluid in and may not get the same appreciation of someone who's a huge fan. And now you've got the younger people who are huge fans of what this product is that can't afford it, that have to beg and borrow and, and scream and get four people, strangers in a room to share the expense, right? <laughs> They're not, it's not taking the family. It's like, can I get four like-minded strangers to, to bunk in for two nights to share the expense? So is this just a case of, of bad timing, right? I mean, we know it's bad timing because of COVID. We know it's bad timing because of who was CEO when it was released, right? But, but is it a bad timing just in terms of the general generational gap and where it is right now? I, I, I think a little bit, but I think it's more of, I think that more the financial side of things really, really is what drove this, just all the factors there with the pandemic, all the uncertainty. I think that's really what, what truly drove it to, to fail. Which pandemic, COVID or Chapic? <laughs> I mean, both. I mean, it was, it was the, per, it was the perfect mix, unfortunately. Perfect storm. Yeah. Look at what I, what I tried to say, and I'll say more simply, the people who can appreciate it can't afford it. And the people who can afford it don't appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. That's part of the problem. And that's something that's kind of business 101, right? Yeah. Is and and what whatever Disney goes back to here is Disneyland was made so that everyone could appreciate it, right? Everyone, there are product sets value, moderate, deluxe, so everybody can go enjoy it. It's the same price to go into a park, but there's ways to enjoy your vacation depending on, on who and where you are. That's how the foundation was. It, it's not free, right? The park was never subsidized. Disney made sure of that. That's why you had to charge for, for uh, admission. That's why you had to charge for soda. There was no you know government subsidy on this. And so that's the situation here is that this has gone so far outside of Disney's stream of catering to someone financially elite. When you build a cruise ship, you have some concierge level, right? For people in that deluxe experience, but you have inside cabins that people can go have the same experience and spend less money. The Galactic Star Cruiser only addressed that upper market and it was a niche market for people who were fans. And it was a fan base that they were really targeting that didn't have the wallet to do it more than once. And so, so that's it. But the, like, said, they didn't have the time to do it more than once either. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, it is what it is, you know. Right. The future is uncertain. Have a few ideas for it. What have we missed about this? situation that potentially this could turn into something positive i i definitely think we're gonna see something eventually come back with this in the long run it's gonna be a while before we see them attempt it but 
with anything that Disney does, failed, successful, whatever it is, it's only going to lead to something even better. Um, that's the way to look at it. Just, just look at look at examples with what some of the themed lands have been over the past couple of years. Use an example, what um, example what Toy Story Land was to what Pandora was to what Galaxy Edge was. You've seen the level that has changed and progressed. That's only made things better. This is only going to progress into something else. Who knows what it's going to end up truly being, but it's going to be something that none of us probably thought of in the way that the technology and everything that brings into it, it's going to be cool. Um, again, who knows how long it's going to be, but there's going to be something that's going to come up that's going to that's going to be a stepping stone off of this failure. I I got it. I have the I have the perfect plan. We're going to call it Imagination Station. And it's going to be a figment-themed hotel. <laughs> I mean, hey, I mean, the way they've been talking figment up lately, I mean, yeah, it's plausible. It's very plausible that we're going to see more figment. So I, I don't think it's plausible at all. <laughs> <laughs> John's right. John's ready for ten thousand dollars for in a bunk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one bunk, for that. one twin bed, the whole family for four grand. I'm in. <laughs> And you even get this. You even get the skunk uh, stink in your bathroom when, when you're in there too. <laughs> <laughs> what if Disney made a figment themed hotel? This that could be a fun episode. <laughs> oh God, I'm writing this down. <laughs> well, we don't know what the future holds for the Galactic Star Cruiser, but whatever it is. Maybe it's Figment. Maybe it's Star Wars. Maybe we should just say later dudes. Later dudes. Later dudes. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Dudes Dish Disney. Please check us out on social media. On Facebook at Dudes Dish Disney. On Instagram at Dudes Dish Disney. On Twitter at Disney underscore Dish. Please visit our sponsor, Magic Vacations, at magicvacations.net. More than just a travel agency, Magic Vacations has over 60 Magic Vacation planners committed to bringing you white glove concierge service. Using a Magic Vacation planner allows you to spend more time making memories and less time worrying about the details. For all of your Disney, Universal, Cruise, and Global travel, go to magicvacations.net. Magic Vacations, discover the magic of travel.